All right, so today I want to talk about Romans 9 and kind of start a, a series of videos dealing with the issue of uh, Reformed theology and Calvinism, which can be a pretty controversial subject. Um, but I think it's important to deal with these issues. I, I'm convinced and, and have the conviction that um, Calvinism and a lot of Reformed theology is inaccurate, and it's completely sincere, but I believe it, it it's rooted in uh, misunderstanding m multiple scriptures, one of which is Romans 9, is one of the big ones. Is, I would say this is where they get uh, really most of their ideas from and, and use this scripture as, as their, uh, the basis for most of their arguments. Um, and so, so again, I would say that, that it comes from a misunderstanding of Romans 9. And, and so I, I just kind of want to deal with that. And I, I do this not in a way uh, to, to bash Calvinism or Calvinists. This, is an, uh, this is not an attack against um, any individual or individuals. That's not my purpose here. Um, I want to just lovingly, you know, Paul talks about, and he tells Timothy to be prepared in season and out of season to teach the word. He says to correct and rebuke and exhort and to, to make sure correct doctrine is being taught. And when it's not to, uh, to make arguments from the scripture to refute the false doctrines that, that are being taught. And so I don't, I don't, I believe that uh, Calvinists are brothers, and and just like all of us, you know, like James says, we all stumble in many points. And he's referring there specifically to teachers. Actually, he says not many of us should be teachers um, because we all stumble in many points. And so I, I believe this is just Calvinism is a point in which many uh, brothers in the faith, brothers and sisters who hold to this, are uh, stumbling, and it's um, it's an incorrect theology. But I love. So many uh, of the the Calvinist teachers that are out today that are uh, prominent, you know, John Piper is really one of my favorite teachers. I listen to him uh, regularly. I'll visit his Desiring God website and and look at his resources, and and so I really respect and and love so many of the Calvinist teachers. And so I say that just to make the point that I'm not out to get Calvinist or Calvinism. That's not my point. Um, I just I've I've come to a place of understanding, I believe, in, in the Word, my understanding that, that I've just become convinced that they're just incorrect in the way they interpret scriptures. And I believe that they're, you know, the most prominent Christian teachers today really are Reformed and Calvinistic in their, the way they teach Romans 9 and other passages like that. And so I believe any incorrect theology, any incorrect doctrine is going to be it's dangerous and harmful to those that are receiving it and hearing it and being taught it. And so, so I just want to offer out a reply, uh, a, a, another, an alternative view, what I believe is a more biblically sound view um, and a more Christ-centered view of, of what God's election looks like, of what predestination looks like, and of what passages like Romans 9 are, are really trying to get at. You know, in Christianity today, the again, the most prominent teachers are Reformed, and they're teaching a Reformed, Calvinistic understanding of, of God's sovereignty. And so my hopes is just to offer out a, an alternative view, a view that I believe is more biblically sound. And so today, again, I want to deal with Romans 9, uh, which is, is again, one of the most uh, foundational 
passages in the Bible for Calvinism. And so what I want to do particularly is, is compare Romans 9 to Galatians. And in and, and Galatians, Paul is making an argument that I think if, if uh, we look at it, we can see that his argument and the case he's making in Galatians is very similar or, or even almost identical to the argument that he's making in Romans 9. Um, and it, it surprises me and is somewhat frustrating that this isn't acknowledged at all. I, I never have heard any teacher uh, compare these two really um, and, and give this much focus or attention. And I, I don't really understand why, because the the whole debate of Calvinism or Arminianism, and, and let me make clear, I'm not an Arminian. I, I honestly know very little about what Arminian beliefs even, even look like. I just, I know it's kind of the stark contrast to Calvinism, but, uh, but I believe that, um, uh, both of them, you know, I think they miss the, the argument that Paul's trying to make in Romans nine. And, and it's, it's confusing and strange to me that, that the connection to Galatians is never really made when, when that debate is going on between what is Paul really getting at in Romans nine? What is his point? He's talking about God's sovereignty, but, but what is he really trying to get at? That's what the whole, uh, Calvinist, uh, Arminian, uh, debate over God's sovereignty. That's what it's all about. And so I believe Galatians holds a lot of keys to understanding uh, Romans 9. And so, yeah, I just, I want to look at that today. I want to look at Romans 9 and then kind of compare it to some passages in Galatians that I think will really help to unpack what uh, the, the case that Paul is trying to make um, in, in Romans 9. So Romans 9, 1 through 5. Paul says, I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed. Um, I'm going to highlight, circle here, kind of the key words that I'm going to go back and compare to Galatians. And, and this right here, when Paul, the, just right here in the third verse, Paul uses a couple words that when compared to Paul's argument that he makes in Galatians, I think it becomes really clarifying to what he's, what he's trying to get at. So he says, I wish that I myself were accursed, separated, uh, let me circle these two words. So accursed and separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, uh, my kinsmen, so my, his brothers, but he makes the point to clarify that they're his brothers, um, according to the flesh. So not, not in the spirit, but just uh, by natural descent that, that uh, these are his brothers, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption of sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple servants, and the promises, whose are the fathers, and from whom is the Christ, according to the flesh, who is over all, God bless forever. Amen. So, so again, Paul, what he's getting at here is he's making the case that he, uh, so Paul here is explaining that he has anguish in his heart. The reason he has anguish is because the Jewish people, the Israelites are cursed. They're cursed by God. They're separated from him. They're separated from the Messiah who they've been waiting for. So the Jews are accursed and cut off from Christ. They, they've been cursed by God, and they've been cut off from Jesus, from the Messiah. And so, again, the question is, why? Why is this the case? 
the Jews have pursued righteousness. They, they have the promises. They have, you know, they're, they're descendants of Abraham. But now God is saying that, you know, basically saying those who are called my people are not my people. And he's rejecting them. And so why? Why is this the case? Um, Calvinism, ultimately, I think the way they would interpret this in a, a sort of a rough um, um, summary would be that because of God's sovereign determination and choice of every individual to salvation or wrath, that is kind of the answer to why they're being cut off, is basically that God determined, it was his determination, um, his sovereign determination before the foundation of the earth to choose certain people for wrath and certain people for salvation. And so ultimately, they would say Paul's point is that God is sovereign and he does what he wants and he's decided from eternity past who will be saved and who will be cursed and cut off from God. And so the reason, the answer they would say that Paul is giving to the question of why is, is um, you know, why are, why are the, these people being cursed and cut off? Why is God rejecting them? And Paul's case to the Calvinists would simply be, well, because God sovereignly determined it to be that way. He chose it to be that way. He chose these people for that purpose. Um, he chose them to to ultimately to uh, to be vessels of destruction and wrath for the purpose of bringing glory to him. And that's his choice. Who are you, O oh man, to question him? And, and so that's that would kind of be a, a rough... Uh, summary of, I think, um, the Calvinist uh, takeaway from Romans 9. But I think Paul is making a much different case when we actually understand the argument that he's trying to make. And, and I think Romans 9.30, I'm going to jump there. This is at the end of the chapter, but here Paul kind of gives his summary and conclusion to uh, really the argument he's making. And so I think this is very insightful into understanding really the whole case he's making in Romans 9. So he says in, in Romans 9, starting at verse 30, what shall we say then that the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attained righteousness but Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. And so, again, um, here's the question. Why? why? Why are the Jews who pursued righteousness, um, and, and they have the law, they have their DNA connection to Abraham, they have the promises of God, but they did not... Uh, they did not arrive at that law. They did not attain righteousness. And so they're saying, why? Why is God rejecting them? Again, this is where the, the roads would split between Calvinism and, uh, and the view that I want to give. And the Calvinism would go the way of saying, well, the reason why is because God simply chose it to be that way. He simply determined these, these people would not uh, have faith. They would not believe. They would not um, that God would not grant them repentance and salvation. And so it's simply because God chose them for wrath. God chose them to be rejected from the from before the foundation of the earth. And, and that's kind of the end of the story there. Um, and so what the, the road I would take is to say that the reason they did not pursue righteousness, and listen to what Paul says in verse 32, it's because they did not pursue it by faith, uh, but as though it were by works. So the Jews were, were attempting to attain righteousness, not by faith, but by works of the law, by their own efforts, by their own willpower, by their own human exertion. And what they, they were trying to bring something to the table before God. And, and for that reason, Paul says, they were being rejected. 
Um, and, and so it says they did not pursue it by faith. Uh, and so rather than coming to God the way that he has chosen for us to be able to approach him, they didn't pursue it that way, but they pursued it by works. So, so Romans 9, the conclusion Paul reaches, uh, really you would expect that if Calvinism were true, that here when Paul says, okay, the Jews have sought after righteousness and they're not attaining it, they didn't reach it, but instead they're being rejected. But the Gentiles who didn't pursue righteousness by the law, they didn't pursue it, they didn't have all the, the law, the covenants, um, the, the DNA connection to Abraham, they have nothing to bring to the table, but yet they're attaining righteousness. And this is offensive to the Jewish people. That's 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 the offense that Paul is uh, is uh, he's predicting, and he's he's before the the argument even comes in Romans nine, he's he's presuming that it's going to come, and so he's giving a reply to this offense that he knows the Jewish people will have. Why are the Gentiles being accepted by God while the Jews are being rejected? Um, you would expect here, if Calvinism were true, true, when Paul says, why is this the case in verse 32? Why is this happening? You would expect Paul to say something like, well, because God simply chose that, because God is sovereign and he does what he wants, and he simply determined this to, to happen, and he determined for these people to be rejected, and he determined for these Gentiles to be accepted. This is what he determined from before the foundations of the earth. But that's not what you see here. But rather, you see an argument for faith. You see, Paul's whole point is all about faith versus works. And so his reasoning, his conclusion is, is very simple. And it's very familiar to, to the rest of Romans. It's an argument for faith. It's an argument for, for salvation by faith alone. And, and it's, a, it's an argument for God's choice of salvation by faith in Christ and re, his rejection uh, of of saving people through works, his rejection of works and his acceptance of faith, um, and this is the stumbling stone. It, it, he goes on in verse thirty two. He says they stumbled. The Jews stumbled over the stumbling stone, and so uh, what is the offense? What is the stumbling stone here that's offending them? That they're stumbling over so that they're not actually they're pursuing righteousness, but they're stumbling so as to not actually reach it. What is that stumbling stone? And so here Paul says, in, and he quotes the Old Testament in verse 33, he says, Just as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone of stumbling, a stone of stumbling and a, a rock of offense, which is, which is Christ, which is faith in Christ. And he who believes faith, we see faith here, the one who believes in him, believes in Jesus, will not be disappointed. So the stumbling stone is the gospel. The stumbling stone is simply the gospel of faith, that God saves people not by works, but by faith. When people bring to the table only faith, they're not bringing anything to God. They're not bringing anything meritorious or deserving of forgiveness or grace or acceptance. When people bring faith to God, all they're doing is saying, I have nothing, I have nothing to bring, and I need everything from you. When people bring works, they're coming in pride and, and, and self exertion and saying, I must, I must work. I must, what I bring to the, to the table is ultimately what gets my acceptance from God. And that's the stumbling stone that the Jews were missing the simple gospel, childlike faith and, and receiving God's grace and coming to him for his provision instead of trying to provide uh, for ourselves. And, and, and so the Jews were coming with self, self provision. Um, the Jews were they were coming in the flesh. They're coming by works. They're trying to 
reach God by what they could do. And Paul's argument in Romans 9 is that God God is sovereign. And Romans 9 is absolutely about God's sovereignty and his right to do whatever he wants. The question, though, where those, you know, like I said before, the two roads kind of, uh, they go different ways, is that what has God actually chosen? It's absolutely certain that Paul argues for the sovereignty of God and his right to do absolutely what he wants. But again, the question is, what has he chosen? And Calvinism would go the way of saying, well, he, he's chosen who to save and who to reject. But, but that's not, you know, what, you know, regardless of whether that can be found other places in the Bible, you can't find that in Romans 9, that argument. The argument that Paul makes for what choice God has actually chosen in his sovereignty is that he's chosen faith. He has chosen faith as the way through which people will uh, be able to come to him and be accepted by him, and he's rejected works. Um, again, the Calvinist would say he's just simply chosen who to save and not save, and, and that's the answer to what God's sovereign choice is. But that's just not—you can't, you can't find that in Romans 9. You, just, there's, you, you have to insert that into the text rather than— pulling it out of the text. But what you can clearly find is an argument for God's sovereign choice of faith. And so again, I would say Romans 9 is absolutely about God's sovereignty, and it absolutely makes an argument that God is uh, sovereign. He does what he wants, how he wants, when he wants, and nobody has the right to question him. And Paul makes the case that God has sovereignly determined something in Romans 9. The question is, what is that determination? What is it? And I think it's clear that that sovereign choice that God has made that Paul's arguing for is that he's chosen to save people by faith, and he's chosen to reject the works of the law. And so um, in, in, at the beginning, you know, we see the Jews who, it says they're Israelites, to them belongs the adoption of sons, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises, and and. Uh, Whose are the fathers? You know, they they have the DNA connection to Abraham and Isaac, and uh, and so and from them Christ was uh, came according to the flesh. And so I think this here, all these points that Paul makes, all these things are the things that the Jews are boasting in, that they're finding their confidence in, that they're resting in. These are the things really that the Israelites were bringing to the table and saying, because we have all this stuff, you know, we're bringing all these, these works, we're bringing all this stuff and putting, up, putting it on the table before God. They were expecting and, and assuming, presuming that they were accepted by God. And, and you see this all over in the Gospel of John where, where uh, you know, Jesus would be talking to the Jews and the Pharisees and they would be boasting and, and confidently thinking, we're children of Abraham. You know, we don't have, or we, weren't, we didn't have multiple fathers or however they worded that, but, but, you know, we're God's children. We only have one father and that's God. And so they had a self-righteous confidence a, a, an overbloated ego, really, that they were good with God, that they're in, in the end, that they're, they're right before God, they're children of God. And because they have, you know, according to the flesh, they're Israelites, they have the, the adoption of sons, they have, you know, all the, the Old Testament things that, that belong to the nation of Israel, that is what they were resting in, that's what they were, were trusting in as their their righteousness and they thought because we're pursuing these things because we have these things this makes us right before god this makes us accepted but yet even bringing all this stuff paul was saying nope that's not enough that's not good enough 
uh, and actually God has chosen to curse you and separate you, even though you're bringing all this stuff to me, even, or even though you're bringing all this stuff to him, to God, he, he is, you're still cursed and cut off. And so again, that question becomes why? Why is this happening? And as we saw in Paul's conclusion in, in Romans 9.30, the reason is because uh, they were pursuing it uh, by, by uh, works of the law and not by faith. And so again, God is absolutely sovereign. He does what he wants. But the question in Romans 9 is what, ha- what is Paul actually arguing for as far as the sovereign choice that God has made and does make? And, and you just can't find the, uh, the Calvinist uh, takeaway, which would be that God simply chose every individual to uh, salvation or to wrath. That's something that you just you, you can insert that into Romans 9, but, but, but unless you uh, insert it in first, you, can't, there's, you just can't pull that out. Um, in an honest way. But what you can clearly pull out is that God has sovereignly determined faith over works. And so so I want to continue to, to make this point to explain b- through Romans 9 why I believe this is the case. And so, um, so we looked at the summary. We looked at that Paul's conclusion is uh, the reason. And so I think that's a pretty convincing uh, proof there. But I want to look at... Um, Again, I want to compare this to Galatians. So going back to the question of of the beginning of of Romans 9, the beginning of the chapter, why are the Jews cursed and separated? What is the reason? This is the question. Why are they separated and how? Uh, Why did God separate them and how? Like how, how does a person become cursed and separated from Christ? And as we're navigating through Romans 9 and, and trying to follow Paul's uh, point that he's making, these are the questions that we need to ask and that are being asked in this chapter. And so I want to begin to look at Galatians and compare it to, to Romans 9. And I think Galatians answers these questions and again is really clarifying and helping us see that what Paul is trying to make the case for is that God has chosen faith and he has chosen to reject works. And so um, again, the split roads would be Calvinism, I think, would say that the reason for why and how a person is accursed and separated is because of God's sovereign determination and his choice of every individual to either salvation or wrath. In other words, God simply chooses who to curse and who to cut off from Christ um, for some mysterious and ambiguous choice. And so the reason, the reason that God chooses to curse and cut people off is simply his uh, divine choice. It's his divine and mysterious will. We don't know why, ultimately. We don't know why he chooses who he chooses. And so that's the road. That is the road, I think, that Calvinism would take. But the road that Paul would take, I think, uh, when we look at uh, comparing it to scriptures in Galatians, um, I think we can see that his road is that God's sovereign determination is not about his determination of individuals to salvation or wrath, but his determination of faith as the way of salvation and his rejection of works. And so here I want to compare uh, Romans 9, 3, kind of going back to the beginning of Romans 9, where Paul kind of sets up, I believe, the, the whole case that he's going to try to make and the whole uh, explanation that he's going to give. You know, really, it, it's Romans 9 seems to be really about answering the question of why. Why are the Jews cursed? Why are they separated from Christ? And so Galatians 3.10, um, I believe, answers part of that. And so focusing in on the word here, accursed. 
what causes a person to become a curse from Christ in this context? Why are the Jews accursed? Why are they separated from Christ? So in Galatians 3.10, Paul says, all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. So in Galatians, we know that the whole argument Paul is making is an argument of uh, for faith versus works. He's making the case that the way God wants us to relate to us, the way that God has sovereignly determined that we, we can relate to him, and the only way to reach him and attain righteousness, Paul says in Galatians, is through faith. It's through faith and it's through grace. It's, it's through receiving God's grace, his provision for, for us and not trying to bring our own self-provision. That's what he's getting at when he says relying on works of the law. So in, in Galatians, you know, the church was, um, they were going back to reverting to works of the law. They were trying to observe, you know, uh, uh, ordinances and rules and, and, and uh, different things which they, they thought were going to earn points with God, that we're going to get them in the relationship, it was going to make them more complete and more full in their relationship with God, and it was going to help them to earn their, their righteousness and, and keep themselves righteous before God. And so Paul is saying, no, you, you can't do that. Don't go back to that. Um, and if you do, if you do go the way of the law, you're under a curse. And so that's, that's really, I think, clarifying to answering this question of why in Romans 9, why are the Jews cursed and cut off from Christ. And so again, what we're seeing here uh, is nothing, nothing like the, uh, the direction that Calvinism or Reformed theology would take. Um, but what we see is the reason is because uh, it's because of the works of the law, because God has chosen to reject works of the law, and that those who pursue the law uh, in order to attain righteousness will be cursed by God. They will be under the curse because all who rely on works of law are under a curse. And so the answer to the, this first part of the question in Romans 9, 3, why are the Jews cursed, uh, accursed from Christ? Why are they accursed from God? Why, why are they under God's curse? The answer that we saw both in, in, uh, in, in Romans 9, 30 through 33, which is the conclusion, is because they pursued the law. Uh, they pursued righteousness through the law and not by faith. That's exactly what we see in Galatians, that Paul is trying to convince them to only pursue the righteousness, only pursue righteousness by faith, and, and they're, they're being tempted to, to revert to pursuing righteousness by the law. And that's what was causing them to be in danger of being under God's curse. And that is why in Romans 9, Paul is explaining that, that the Jews, the Israelites, are under God's curse. Not because of a predetermined and mysterious election uh, or determination by God in eternity past, but, but, but because of their pursuit of righteousness by the law. And so again, the next part of the question, let's answer that. So what causes a person to be separated? Or I think some translations say severed or cut off from Christ. It kind of gives the idea of like a, the head being chopped off. And, and so they're, they're just disconnected. They have no connection to their own Messiah. And so again, this is offensive to the Jews who have been pursuing the law. They've been pursuing righteousness. They have their blood DNA connection to Abraham. But yet Paul is here standing in their face saying, you're separated from him. You're actually cursed from him and you're cut off from, from Christ. And so, so Galatians 5.4 answers the question of why. He, he tells the Galatians who are, being, who are reverting back to law-keeping, he says, you've been severed from Christ. Um, you've been disconnected from him. You who are seeking to be 
justified by the law. Here's the same thing. So, so if we want to answer the question of Romans 9 that I think Paul's trying to explain throughout the whole chapter, why are the Jews cursed and separated? Here we see in Galatians 9, separation or severing from Christ comes by what? What, what caused it in Galatians? What caused the, the Galatians to be in danger or to be separated from Christ, according to Paul? To be cut off from the Messiah, to be cut off from the, the vine. Well, here, it, it's again, it's because they were seeking to be justified by the law. That sounds very familiar to me. Um, it sounds a lot like Galatians 3.10, and it sounds a lot like Romans 9.30, the conclusion to Rome, the Paul's whole argument in Romans 9, which is what? Which is, okay, again, he's answering the question, why? The, the whole point of Romans 9, why are the Jews cut off? Why is God not accepting them? Why have they pursued pursued righteousness yet they haven't attained it? And why are the Galatian or the why are the and why are the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness attaining righteousness? The Jews, the Israelite nation as a whole, is is coming to God on the basis of works, and so God's sovereignty can, uh, in Romans nine is all about God's sovereign choice of faith and His sovereign rejection of works. Now, you can, you can maybe try to make the argument that God does choose uh, individuals and he has these elect people that he's chosen before the foundation of the earth and God simply determined every individual who'd be saved and who would not be saved from before the foundation of the earth. Maybe you can make that argument in other scriptures. I'm not, I'm not, that's not, I'm not dealing with, with other scriptures at the moment. But, but the point I'm trying to make is that in Romans 9, you simply can't find that in this chapter unless you insert it into there. You can clearly see God's sovereign determination and his sovereign choice of faith and his sovereign uh, rejection and, and choice to reject works. But you, you just don't find, his, you don't find Paul trying to make the conclusion that uh, God has chosen in, uh, individuals and determined the salvation or damnation of every individual. And I know there's places, you know, what we're going to get into in, in the next videos, we'll get into uh, talking about Jacob and Esau, what the point of it is there, because I know immediately when I say he's dealing with his choice of faith and his rejection of works, you're going to say, well, he... He talks about Esau and Jacob and that he, you know, Jacob he loved, Esau he hated. And so I'll deal with that in, in, in the next videos. Here I just want to focus, I'm focusing mainly on, on these beginning uh, verses where Paul's talking about what caused the Jews to be cursed and separated from Christ. And, and so as I've compared that to Galatians, I think um, we can see uh, the case that Paul has made just based on those verses uh, uh, looking at Paul's conclusion in Romans 9.30 and then comparing that to, to what he says in, in Galatians is that what causes the Jews, what caused them to be cursed and cut off from Christ, really so far we've seen nothing about uh, simply because God simply determined bef from before the foundation of the earth who would be saved and who would not. Um, but what we see is, is that God determined faith, you know, Paul's argument is that God determined faith as the way of salvation. God determined that the way people would be counted righteous, just like Abraham, would not be through uh, natural descent. It wouldn't be through law-keeping. It wouldn't be through all these things that the Jews had and boasted in and found their confidence in. Uh, what Paul's bringing up here to, to the Jews that's offending them is that God, God's rejected that. He's rejected works of the law. Um, and so, so Calvinism really is nowhere to be seen so far 
anyways, uh, Reformed theology and, and the, the ideas that it would put forth uh, as the case that Paul is making, really, we haven't seen anything like that so far. Uh, but what we have seen is that God is sovereignly determined to reject works. He's sovereignly chosen to, to uh, make people righteous on the basis of faith. And so in the next videos, we'll, we'll continue in Romans 9 and, and kind of continue to compare it to different places in Galatians and see that the whole case that Paul is making in Romans 9 is a case for righteousness by faith in Jesus and a case for God's rejection of, of anybody who tries to come to him, anybody who tries to earn righteousness on the basis of works. Mm -hmm.